Good morning, Hillside Christian Fellowship. It is so awesome to be with you this morning through the internet, through Facebook Live, YouTube Live. We are so excited to be in the house of God this morning and in your house as well. By way of highlights, I'm going to focus on just one thing this morning and one thing alone. And that is uh, an initiative that we are pushing as Hillside Christian Fellowship, partnering with a lot of the churches in our community. And it is the opportunity to stand in the gap and to be praying for the, the peace, for the safety, for the unity, for mercy in our nation. Uh, Pastor Dave made a comment on Facebook on Monday. It was posted to Hillside Christian Fellowship's page, and it came from Ezekiel chapter 22, where God says to the prophet Ezekiel, I was looking throughout the land to see if there was a man who would stand in the gap and to pray for the people, and I did not find one. Well, it is our prayer that as the Lord looks to find someone to stand in the gap, he doesn't go not finding anyone, but he finds the church radically on fire and radically on their knees in prayer for our nation, for our communities, for justice, for reconciliation, for unity. And as those things come to fruition, we will see, as God promises this in Second Chronicles, that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Well, prepare yourselves, grab your Bible, refill your coffee, as we're going to hear an amazing word from Pastor Dave. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Pastor Matt. It is great to be with you this Sunday morning in the month of June. It's a great month. We'll be celebrating grads and dads, and uh, we're, just, we're just thankful. We start a new series this morning, God-Sized Moments, and uh, literally every moment contained in God's Word, in my humble opinion, is a God-Sized Moment, and there is story after story after story of the miraculous work of God, the power of one. It's just a, it's, it's a theme that just seems to echo through the pages of Scripture, and uh, today we are looking at this God-Sized moment in Acts chapter 3, and uh, I'm actually very, very excited about this because there's another song that I get to sing for you on a Sunday morning in my solo state, but uh, this is a story of Peter and John, and they're on their way to the temple to pray, and uh, it, uh, the title of the message today is The Lame Man Leaped, The Lame Man Leaped, and uh, probably in each of our own individual lives, we could identify even with that title because at one point in time, we were lame. We were away from God. We were in our sin. We were in our broken lives. We were in a state of disrepair because we were separated from the one who loves us with an eternal love. We've been separated from God. And we had a leap moment where our hearts were open, our eyes were open, the Holy Spirit revealed Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you've committed your life to Christ, you are born again. The Spirit of God has taken up residence inside of your life and is transforming you from the inside out. And there is that leaping sense, I know I'm going to heaven. I know my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I know where I'm going. And I want to encourage you to, with zeal and with joy, celebrate 
your salvation. We rejoice in the Lord for the salvation of God. And his salvation is soon. Thanks be to God. Jesus Christ is coming soon. We have much to leap about. So without any further ado, let's dive in. We're going to be looking at probably 12 verses or so. And these are some awesome portions of scripture. So Acts chapter 3 and... uh, We'll pick up in verse 1. Read with me. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. It's afternoon. It might have been a special time for them, for this is the very hour that the Lord, their Savior, uh, experienced the cross and his crucifixion. Uh, I noticed that it's the hour of prayer It literally is after the time of the afternoon sacrifice, and it's indicative of these Jewish men. These Jewish men, they realized that the sacrificial system had been completed in the perfect sacrifice of their Savior, and so they go up to pray. And so, praise God. All right, I'm going to commentate as I go. I'm so excited. All right, verse 2. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on them, With John, Peter said, look at us, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand. And lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. We had a tape that we would play for our kids when they were little. And it had this great song Peter and John went to pray. They met a lame man on the way. He asked for alms and turned out his palms. And this is what Peter did say. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He went walking and leaping and praising God, walking and leaping leaping and praising God in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Again, this time with you. Take it away, dads. Okay, maybe not. Anyway, he went walking and leaping and praising God. God did this miraculous healing, absolutely undeniable work of the Holy Spirit. And all the people, verse 9, saw him walking and praising God. They knew that it was he who, who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement 
at what had happened to him. Now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch which is called Solomon's uh, which is called Solomon's greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, "Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or uh, godliness we have made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant, Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the prince of life who God raised from the dead, which we are witnesses. Let's pray. Father, in the next few moments, as we consider this portion of scripture, as we consider this God-sized moment, as we consider this miraculous work, Lord, I pray that we would glean from the story principles that we can apply in our lives that will impact our thinking, that will impact our behavior, that will impact our daily living as we walk out our faith. Father, may we see these same kinds of things working in our lives. So, just four thoughts today. There's a request. There's a lame man who at Gate Beautiful is going to ask for alms. And what I love is the scripture says that Peter and John went to pray. Peter and John were on their way and they make their way to the temple at the hour of prayer. Again, it's a principle of life that you and I, we should be men and women of prayer. Prayer changes things. I'm telling you right now, and I am calling our congregation to pray, to get on our knees, to get on our faces, to be like the children of Israel, to be like the Jews of the day where they would pray three times a day in the morning hour, at the midday hour, and in the evening. And they would set their hearts and their faces towards Jerusalem and they would pray. And they would pray to the God of heaven, the true, the one and only living God, Yahweh, Jehovah, Jehovah God. And they would believe God. And now the disciples being born again, the church has been birthed, and now they're praying in the name of Jesus. And notice that they go back to the place that they have been. They've gone back to where they were, and they're praying in Jesus' name in the temple, unashamedly. And they're going to be speaking and teaching and talking about Jesus everywhere they go. And I just want to encourage you, that's the kind of people we want to be. And I'm, I'm saying at this time, in our nation, in our state, in our community, in this Portland metro area, there is a massive need for prayer. We need to pray. And I want to challenge you, I want to invite you, and I want to encourage you. Will you fast and pray with the church of North Clackamas. I was in a prayer meeting this past Wednesday with 15 pastors that are in our community, and I, I shared what God, the Spirit, had been speaking in my life in the very area of prayer, in the very area of warfare, in the very area of fasting and believing. 
And I challenged them and I said, will you also pray? Will you also join with and stand and pray and intercede? Stand in the gap like Ezekiel. God spoke to Ezekiel in the 22nd chapter in the 30th verse. It wasn't verses back then, but God spoke to him and said, I I looked for a man, I sought for a man to stand in the gap and to pray and to intercede. And there was none. He found not one to stand between God and the land that was deserving of judgment and the people that were deserving of judgment for they had, they had not given God his Sabbath years. And he sought for someone to stand in the gap, and there was none. Listen, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, and Paul tells us in the book of Romans, the 15th chapter, in the 14th or the fourth verse. He reminds us, he says, those things happened and they were written down for our learning. They were written down for examples or in sampling to us. That we are to be admonished, we're to learn. Let's not, let's not be a generation where God would say once again, I sought for a man and found none. Church, let's stand in the gap. Those 15 pastors, when I, when I put out the challenge, when I shared with, with them what God was speaking to me, I, I said, will you, will you invite your churches, will you invite your congregations to fast and pray with our church? And can we stand in the gap for our city of Portland? Can, I stand, can we stand in the gap for the racial injustices? Can we stand in the gap for the broken hearts and the brokenness that is out there in all of the plethora of emotion that is happening in the hearts and lives of people and all that is going on with the rhetoric on social media platforms and all that kind of stuff, that, that, that brokenness, we, that God would heal our land, that we would turn from our wicked ways, repent of our own sins, that we would look introspectively into our own lives and say, oh God, oh God, search my heart. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious ways. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Church, every single Wednesday we are fasting. I'm fasting Wednesdays, and I will be fasting them in their entirety, and I'm gonna be in this place from noon to one o'clock right here in the Damascus campus interceding and praying for our city, praying for our government, praying for our leaders, praying for our judicial system, praying for our missionaries, praying for the gospel, praying for the church, praying for you. And we are believing, and will you come and join us? Come and let's fill the house. Jesus said, my father's house will be called a house of prayer. Will you come and pray every Wednesday? And now I'm gonna invite you just in your personal life, early in the morning, rise and seek the Lord, pray. And in the evening, seek the Lord and pray. They went to pray. A certain lame man from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate. Listen, he is going to ask for alms. We get to verse 3, or excuse me, the end of verse 2. He says, to ask for alms from those who entered. And seeing Peter and John about to go in, he asked for alms. He asked for alms. I want you to know in your life and in my life, there's a request that is out there. That's the first point, the request. The request. And I want, I want us all to recognize that there are broken people all around us. You may be broken on the inside. You may be hurting. And you have a request. And you, and you, you want 
something. You want sustaining. You want strength. You want provision. You want, and there, there's people outside of the kingdom of God who are broken people. They're broken. They're lame. They're still in that state of lameness, separated from God, in sin, broken, yokes of bondage, burdens, heavy burdens on their shoulders, and there's just a heap of guilt. There's a heap of condemnation, and they're, they're away from God. Their sin might even be consuming their very lives. Whether spoken or unspoken, there is a request in their heart, and we as the children of God, we, like Peter and John, they, they look to us, and whether they look to us or don't look to us, we have the answer. And I love, I love what their response was. He, he looked, he saw. And do you know that for most people, a beggar would be someone that would be avoided because people, even though the Jewish heart was to help the poor, to help the needy, and yet, because of their carnal nature, because of the disposition of their own hearts, they also would struggle and they would turn away and they didn't really want to see the, the need. And so he caught eyes and then he probably looked away and expecting them to look away also, but they didn't. They said, look at us. Listen. If you think for one moment that that did not produce hope in the heart of that broken man's life. The Bible tells us, it says, and fixing his eyes on him, John, uh, fixing his eyes with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. They, by their very response, look at us. You have my attention. I'm giving you our attention. Now look at us. They produced hope in this man. And listen, brothers and sisters, we have hope. Our hope is in Jesus, and we have Jesus. Oh, that we would be giving broken people Jesus. Listen, they may be asking you your opinion. We got to get away from our opinions. We got to get away from our carnal thoughts, our, our ability to fix things, and all that stuff, and we need to give people the answer, and the answer always will be Jesus. We produce hope. Listen to us. Listen to what we have to say Look at us, hear what we are saying. And so these sent ones, these apostles sent out, commissioned by God. But, but uh, Luke tells us in chapter 2 that he, God did miraculous signs and wonders through the work of the apostles. And these men knew, and now they're going to see this story unfold. And what, why would Dr. Luke give us this particular story? In the midst of this request, I believe for three reasons, three reasons. Number one, I believe it would be an example of what Dr. Luke, under the spirit of God's inspiration, gave us in chapter 2, that they would be performing those signs and wonders. In Acts chapter 2, verse 43, signs and wonders through the apostles. And here's a tangible example of a sign and a wonder, an expression of a faith, uh, the ministry of faith, the gift of faith. As we see in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 even, he, he heard the Spirit of God and he reached and he grabbed him by the hand and he pulled him up and instantly the man was healed. And so I believe 
It's an example of those works. Secondly, I would believe to share another sermon of a man named Peter who not too long ago, some 40 plus days ago, he denied Jesus three times. Well, he had received the Spirit of God, but he had not, had not been endued with power from on high. Now, after Pentecost, he's already preached one message. Thousands of people have come to Christ, and now he's about to preach another sermon. In chapter 4, he's going to preach, and he's going to testify in front of the Sanhedrin. He's going to testify in front of the religious leaders, if you will. And I believe that the Spirit of God is saying, look at what Pentecost does. Pentecost transforms a man who was a coward, who was sheepish, who, who, who denied the Lord three times, and now he is publicly testifying in the very temple and place where the religious leaders are, who had just crucified their Lord and Savior, and Pentecost has this power, and its results will always point people to Jesus and bring about salvation. So an example of those signs and wonders, to, to, to introduce us again to a man whose life has been transformed and the second sermon that we're going to hear. And I believe it is also to show why the church in the first century would be engaged to persecution as a result of preaching Jesus. For this is what this story leads us into, persecution, persecution. But the beauty of the persecution that happened in the first century, and its beginnings are right here, is that it will spread the gospel far and wide. My prayer is for the church of Jesus Christ today, that in the midst of persecution that you and I may be facing, that the resulting will be the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, that God would use us to be the conveyors of the message. So there are broken people who are making requests. Let's be reminded that you and I, we have the answer, and it isn't us. And it isn't innately in us. It's not our ingenuity. It's not our clever thinking. It's not our ability. It's, it is absolutely nothing less than Jesus Christ and the power of his might. And God can meet needs according to his riches and glory. Hallelujah. Okay. I, 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 think, I think we should probably also recognize again that there was a producing of expectation. I want to just encourage you in your personal life with the Lord. Are you expecting God to move on your behalf? Are you expecting God to be answering your prayers? Are you expecting God to meet your needs? Are you expecting God to show up on the scene in the, when you exercise faith that God responds to faith in every situation? I want to encourage you to have great expectations in the things of the Lord, what you're believing God for, what you are praying for, family members to come to Christ, prodigal children to come home, prodigal parents to come home, prodigal friends to come home, wherever that may be, whatever your prayers may be, that you would have an expectation because God produces and wants to produce in us like he produced in that lame man. He wants to produce an expectation that we would, we got something coming, something's coming. Now, there's something beautiful about this too. I believe that God always outdoes our level of expectation. And we're going to see that certainly in this situation. So 
Let's come to Acts chapter three, verses four and six. And I would say that this is, this is the response. This is the, the response, if you will, of Peter and John. Again, uh, it, it's, they, they say, fix your eyes on us, look at us. Uh, so he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. God generally does more than what we expect. The lame man looked, expecting, turned out his palms to receive coins, a coin. Instead, what he received was a hand embracing his hand and the words rise up and walk. And he was pulled up. And it says that his, his uh, bones and his feet, his ankle bones and feet, verse 7, received strength. Now, this is fascinating because this is Dr. Luke who is going to give us this account and he uses the Greek word that is a unique Greek word and only used here and only used by Dr. Luke. And it indicates literally that there is a certain set of bones in his ankle and that when he stood up, that literally bones that have ball and socket locked into place and were strengthened. And I think that's, absolutely epic. The man expected to get something in the way of money for sustenance, and what God did was God said, look, I'm going to make it possible for you not only to have coin in your hand, but to have coin in your pocket every day, because you're now going to be able to produce coins for yourself, because I have healed you physically, and now you will be able to be the one who gives coins to lame men or broken hearts and broken lives, and you'll also be able to give the life-giving spirit. And so, God generally outdoes what our expectations are, and this lame man demonstrates that. Again, have you come to the place where you have great expectations for the Lord? I want to encourage your faith today. I want your faith to be built up, your most holy faith. If you, if you are downtrodden, if you are discouraged, if you are depressed, if you are in a place of despair, may your faith be encouraged. Listen, read the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we need the testimonies of the Lord. We need the precepts of the Lord. We need the stories of God. We need to hear the miracles. These signs will follow them that believe, Mark tells us in the 16th chapter. And we must we must have that working in our hearts and in our lives that our expectations would be high. So have you come to that place? Hey, and let's, let's be expecting the right things from God. Don't fall short. I'll take a coin. Can you just give me a coin? One coin. Dream big. Dream big. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or imagine. Dream big. 
Dream big because God can do even more than that. So let's be the people of God that dream big. And let's expect big things from God, significant things from God. And I'm not talking about showy stuff. I'm not talking about necessarily anything that would draw attention to us. Notice that Peter and John in the story, they said, why do you look at us? There's nothing in us. Power came from Jesus through us, and Jesus healed this man. The power of God healed this man, giving all the glory to Jesus. And folks, I'm convinced that God wants to do significant things through you. And one of the greatest works in our hearts and in our lives is the sincerity of heart that we would have sincere hearts for the Lord, to the Lord, in the Lord, for the Lord. And so, that work, let's have great expectation. Uh, here's, here's another just thought, if you will. When it comes to the lost and the hurting, I, want, I would want us to note that it is not the only responsibility or the only business of the church to try and make another man's circumstances uh, in this world, um, their present condition, somehow better. That's not, that's not our only assignment. I am all for the social needs, 100% for the social needs. I believe that we should be providing blankets for those that are without. I believe that we should be providing clothes for those that are out. I believe that we should be the ones who coordinate for the county, the warming centers. I believe that we should be providing a roof. I believe that if we have a brother or sister who is out in, the need, out in need, that we should be bringing them into our homes. The children of Israel were required to do that kind of thing. That's a God kind of thing. Food, cold water, something to drink, absolutely social needs unequivocally. But the task of the church is to bring the story of redemption, the story of God's redemption. Listen, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us that we, we now have the ministry of reconciliation. And we are, as Christ ambassadors, inspired to have to tell men be reconciled to God be reconciled to God and so yes the the social need yes the supernatural miracle needs but unequivocally the gospel the message of redemption the ministry of reconciling reconciling men to God for God was reconciling all men both Jews and Greeks Jews and Gentiles to himself through the perfect work of Jesus Christ, his son. It's the story of redemption. And we carry in us this life-giving message of hope. Oh, that we would communicate that. Christ ambassadors. He said, what we have, we give. What we have, we give. And Peter gave power in the name of Jesus. He gave the power of Jesus. Why? Because the power of Jesus was already working in his life. 
Are you allowing the power of Jesus to be working in your life, the power of the Spirit of Christ who lives in you? Are you allowing that power to transform your very life? It's one thing to say, I want the miraculous powers. I want to see people healed. But will you yield to the power of the Spirit of God in your own personal life? So many people, we, we say, I want, I want, I want. And yet the simplest things like kindness, we say, no, I don't want to give kindness. I don't want to give forgiveness. I don't want to give uh, compassion. I don't want to meet this immediate need. We can't give what we don't have. If you want the power of God working through your life, you need to allow the power of God to be working in your life. We need the power of God which transforms. It transforms our soul. It transforms the spirit. It transforms our personality. It transforms our desires. It transforms our attitudes. It transforms our, he transforms our appetites. I say it's the power I'm talking about, but the he is the spirit. The spirit does that work in us. And if we want the power To be administrated through us, we need to see the power of God working in us. That we would be being transformed by the renewing of our minds. That our lives would be fruitful in that we would be following Jesus. Just as in the Great Commission, he said, teaching them to obey all the things that I have instructed you. We must obey those things. He said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. And my commandments are not burdensome. Listen. It's the power of the Spirit of God living in us to transform us so that those commandments aren't rules of you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. But it becomes the delight of our heart because we want to be well-pleasing to the Lord. Will you let the Spirit of God transform you so that we can see the power of God flowing through us into the hearts and lives and we can give people what we have? Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. I give you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And it may not be the miraculous of ankles and bones uh, being strengthened, but it might be the very spirit coming to life. The greatest miracle I believe on this planet is when a person transitions from death to life. It is that moment of being from I was walking dead in my trespasses and sin and I gave my hope, my heart, and I put my hope in Jesus. I put my faith and trust in Christ. I confessed Jesus as Lord. I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead and I was saved. I went from death to life. Come on. It's working. Praise God. Praise God. Okay. So we have the request, we have the response, now we come to the results. I love it. the results. Rise up and walk. And immediately his feet and his bones received the strength of his angel bones and sockets and all that came. And here's the beauty of the results. You see, the results were made manifest in his life. And I believe that even in our lives, when God does a work in our lives, we can have this same kind of results working in us. I believe that he did three good things. He did three good things. Number one, he attached himself to Peter and John. That's a big deal. He's like, I'm with these cats. I'm in the kingdom of God. In your life and in my life, 
Let's identify with the church. Let's identify with the people of God. Let's identify with those who claim to be born again. Let's be the church. Let's identify. He identified with Peter and John. He wasn't leaning on someone else. He wasn't leaning on. He didn't go find the people that laid him day after day after day after day in front of Gate Beautiful. He was like, I'm with these guys. I'm with these guys. And I want you to know that's not always convenient because the church is a broken, it's made up of broken people. We're in the process of sanctification. God is working. He's working in our lives. He's transforming us. Even the, the, how the church functions can be broken, but it's still what Jesus Christ, the head of the church, put in and said, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to reach the world through this thing called the church. And he's this guy. I'm with them. I'm with them. I want to encourage you in your place of work, in your neighborhood, on your social media platforms, wherever you are, that you make it crystal clear that you are a Christ follower and you identify with Jesus and his followers as weird, as broken, as troubled, as messy as we are. We're broken vessels. The ostracanos, we are the ones that the potters cast out the window because we were broken. And then Jesus went and he took the broken pieces and he says, I'll put these back together and I will put inside of them my virtue. And out of that, the light of Christ has been put in us. His light shines out of all the broken, shattered pieces missing and all the cracks that the, that the glory would not be of the vessel, but the one that is in the vessel. Thanks be to God. We're broken, but man, we identify with the broken. He's, the word of God says, hey, not many of you were of royalty. Not many of you were wise. Not many of you were of any strength. He says, he says in another place, hey, uh, go, go, go get the lame, the maimed, and the blind, and the sick. And the, the, the servant said, we already got them, but there's still room. So go to the highways and the hedges and get, get the thieves and the, and the vagabonds and the, and the homeless and bring them in. That's what we are. We're the lame, the maimed, the blind, and the sick, the homeless, the thieves, the broken, the cast-offs, the lepers, those that weren't allowed into the city, so to speak. That's the church, and we get to identify with them. Come on. Jesus did, and this lame man got that figured out on day one. He got it figured out. The second thing he did, he immediately used what God had given him. He immediately used him. He went walking, leaping, and praising God. He was walking and leaping and praising God. He used what God had given him. I want to encourage you and we as the followers of Christ, not only identifying with the church, but we need to utilize what God has already given us and utilize what God sustains us with and utilize that power that has been put in us, the enduing power and the authority that God has given us. Let's use immediately. And one way we can use immediately, listen, in the area of power, in the area of the authority that has been delegated to you and I, we can pray and we can intercede. We can intercede for those who don't know the Lord and pray them into the kingdom of God, believing God that the Spirit would be able to convince and convict their hearts with regards to sin, righteousness, and judgment 
Oh, that we would be actively doing these things. And the third thing, he praised and he worshiped. He praised and he worshiped the Lord. He gave thanks to God. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. Let us give thanks to the Lord. Praise, adoration, worship. I worship you, Lord. Let's worship Jesus. Let's give thanks to the Lord for our sustenance and our strength comes from him. Well, I suppose I have more thoughts on this. I just want to say one thing about the timing of God and, and be reminded of this because sometimes we ask for things and it doesn't happen. Did you notice that this lame man was laid at the gate beautiful daily and he had been lame from birth 40 years, 40 years every day, gate beautiful. How many times do you think that Jesus, the Son of God, walked past this man and didn't heal him? I believe the timing of God is equally as important as the will of God. It was more expedient for Jesus to heal this lame man from his throne in heaven than it was while he was here in his earthly ministry to walk by and heal him. Listen, do not give up up. Do not become weary in well-doing. Pray, pray, and pray, and pray, and pray. Believe, because the work, I believe, is coming. The work of God is coming. The, the answers from the Lord are coming. The deliverance of God, the breaking of yokes, the breaking of the bondages, the breaking and the setting free of the oppressed, and the lifting of the burdens for those who are heavy laden. It's coming. Because God's word is true. His promises are yes and amen. Let us not become weary in well-doing. His timing may not be right just yet. But there's a day where there will be liberty. The Bible tells us, uh, like, like calves led from the stall, you will leap and you will jump and you will rejoice like calves led from the stall. Uh, to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings and you will skip about for joy like calves led from the stall and you will tread the wicked down, thus says the Lord of hosts. I believe that for us. Peter went on to preach. Peter went on to teach. And we're gonna hear more about that in the, in the, in the Sundays to come. And there were some phenomenal results in the work, and ultimately some persecution's gonna come, but there's gonna be some power that comes and fills the house as they're filled with the Spirit of God. They're gonna speak the word with boldness, prophesy, there's gonna be some amazing stuff. But for now, let's, let's believe God. There's people out there with requests, whether they're spoken or unspoken, and we have hope. There is, there is that work of God in their lives. There is that, uh, that response there, there's the results, and then there's the reach. We can reach people as a result of the work of God. I want to encourage you in this area. Let's pray and ask God's blessing. 
Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, I pray for our fellowship today, and I pray, God, that as we see this God-sized moment, a miraculous work, Lord, we recognize that there's broken people around us who have requests, whether spoken or unspoken, and that we are the people of hope. We are the people with the message. We are the people that have the answer. We are the people who come with the power of the living God. There's the, 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 that that. That work that you do, God, the, 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 the responding, Lord, there is that, uh, that work. We are asking God for the miraculous work. And Lord, as your children, let us give out of what we have. And may we have the power of God working in our lives. So Lord, we, we pray, we pray, Lord, that people's lives would be transformed, our understanding of things would be transformed for your glory and for your namesake. So Father, be glorified. May you meet needs. As we fast and pray for our city, for our nation, for the racial instabilities that are there, God, may we, may we learn, may we listen, and may we in humility stand, and may we pray for the redemptive, reconciling work of your spirit in the hearts and lives of men. In Jesus' mighty name, and all God's people said a strong amen.